Welcome to the The Generation Podcast, an audio resource dedicated to a generation of young people who are committed to total surrender to God and total dependence on His power to reach the world with the gospel of Christ. This podcast is designed to strengthen and encourage through a series of Bible-based practical talks. Welcome to the The Generation Podcast. This is Jim Van Geldren, and this is our final podcast in a series, The Co-Infections of Moral Impurity. If you've been with us for the entire journey, we've dealt with two co-infections thus far. These are things that many times come along right in the, uh, the, uh, the sin of moral impurity. And of course, that can manifest itself in your thought life, in what you're looking at, not being careful out in, in culture where you're seeing things that are inappropriate and dwelling upon them. It can even be actions. And many young people get to that point where there's actions of moral impurity. And we talked about the fact selfishness is a big issue. We've talked about that before. Go back and listen to the podcast if you have not. I believe it'll help you. And then secondly, we talked about deception. A lot of deception uh, gets uh, woven into young men's lives and even young ladies' lives because they don't want people to find out what they've been thinking about, what they've been looking at, what they've been doing. And they become a very deceitful person. It hurts them, comes to the very core of who they are. But last of all, this one's devastating, unbelief unbelief. The verse we'll be talking about is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 19 and 20, holding faith in a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. And we'll explain that verse in the message. I was preaching in Pleasantville, Iowa, and we have taken the message. We've pulled it apart, and I've introduced each section, and I'll be preaching this point on unbelief. It's a really tragic thing that happens when we continue to push away our conscience and the Holy Spirit and continue to indulge ourselves in that which we know God doesn't want us to do in sin. And uh, this co-infection of unbelief, I I trust you'll be stirred about the fact that that's the danger. Don't push off God's uh, Holy Spirit's dealing. Don't push off your conscience. Uh, God, uh, God wants you to be a man and woman of faith. It's so important in our day. So I hope you'll be helped by this section of the message, and I hope it'll challenge your heart. Third co-infection, this one's bad too. Unbelief. Unbelief. I'm going to have you turn to this passage because I want you to see it. Go to 1 Timothy chapter number 1, 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and I want you to see something that's stunning about the issue of unbelief. Let's go, 1 uh, Timothy and chapter 1. I want you to look at verse number 18. Let's go to the back part of the verse of verse number 18 of 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Now watch this. This is fascinating. It says, that thou by them mightest war, a good warfare. That's what you want. That's the main verb there, war. Holding faith, that's a participle. Holding faith in a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith, that's the conscience, have made shipwreck, that's the faith. So here's the picture. There is God's given us a conscience. In fact, the John chapter 8 talks about the Holy Spirit convicting the conscience. So the Holy Spirit is the one that uses the conscience. Obviously, the conscience can be mistaught. I'm not going to give a full lecture on the conscience, but here's the point. When you and I push away our conscience, guess what we do? You shipwreck your faith. That's why I said a moment ago that many of these young preacher boys who are compromising at 30, who are buying into the progressive line, I'll tell you why. Because they shipwrecked your faith. Did you know that true Bible church living... (laughs) doesn't make sense. It's backwards. 
In other words, I want to ask you a question, just the gospel. If you were going to go to Madison Avenue to an unsafe marketing firm and say, help me come up with a good way to present the gospel, do you know what that marketing firm would tell you? Well, tone down hell and tone down sin. And you know what every one of us in this room would say? You have no gospel if you do that. See, the gospel, the very presentation of the gospel flies in the face of Madison Avenue. It flies in the face of marketing. You're not supposed to work when you tell people they're sinners going to hell. That's not supposed to work. But you have to understand that's the way God is. He works opposite the way the world thinks it should do. See, it's foolishness to the world. We're still in Greek culture, by the way. It's foolishness to the world. But it's the power of God and his salvation for us who believe. We say, man... Yeah, that's not a very palatable message, but the Holy Spirit took that thing, man. He sliced me up one side, put me down the other. Before long, I'm on my face, repenting death, uh, you know, repenting or repenting uh, and turning to Jesus to deliver me from the sin God was tearing me up about. See, so the point is that we see that the gospel is completely counterintuitive. So that's the way all ministry is. So if you as a church went to Madison Avenue, went to some great marketing firm and said, how can we reach our community? They would give you an answer that's completely antithetical to the New Testament. Did you know that? He said, well, why don't we do it their way? Well, their way is pragmatism. God's way takes faith. If you're a bold gospel proclaimer, you have learned, I know it doesn't make sense to tell people they're going to hell and they're sinners, but do it with compassion and love through the power of the Holy Spirit and they'll get saved. You've learned that faith works. And pragmatism works too, but it doesn't work. It only works on the human level. It does not work on the spiritual level. Do pragmatic churches have huge churches? Yeah, sure they do. Are lives being transformed? Well, not so much. You can get a big, you know the world can get big crowds. Did you know that? But the world can't transform lives. So here's my point. When somebody starts compromising in their own moral, and they push away their conscience, I don't need to do that. I don't need to get with my pastor. I can get victory. And they push off the Holy Spirit. They push off their conscience. You know what they do? They shipwreck their faith which means they can't believe God. And if you cannot believe God, you cannot be an independent Baptist fundamentalist. You've got to move to the left. You've got to be pragmatic. If God's not helping you, you've got to get somebody, something else to work. You seeing what's happening now, friends? I've seen guys who are raised in the right thinking and everything. I'm thinking, why are they compromising? You know, if I were going to some guy who was raised right, went to a good school, got the right philosophy, and I saw him compromising, you say, Preacher, what would be your first question? I would not debate evangelical thinking versus fundamentalist thinking. I wouldn't debate that at all. I'll tell you my first question. When's the last time you looked at pornography? That'd be my first question. You see, it's in, it seems unrelated. It's not unrelated at all. Something's shipwrecking their faith. It may not be that issue, but something is shipwrecking their faith. And I promise you this. If you're a young man, I promise you this. You keep looking at that filth, pushing off the Holy Spirit, not dealing with it biblically, one day you will compromise because you'll have to. Unbelief is one of the most tragic co-infections of moral impurity. And you'll one day be down at these loosey-goosey, come as you are, leave as you were. You know, everything goes church at the edge of town. You'll be down there one day. Because you have to use pragmatism because it won't, you have your faith shipwrecked. See, that's the significance of it. Now, for time's sake, let's just move on. Just trying to introduce, got a few more minutes here. So let's just introduce a couple others. Number four, co-infection. You lack discernment. It kind of goes along with unbelief. You lack discernment. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 32. Whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh, anybody know? Understanding. I'm going to say this right now. 
If you're looking at pornography, do not be critical of this church because whatever you're critical of this church is, you're off. In other words, I am amazed. Sometimes I'll find out a kid's being critical about whatever. Then you find out he's looking at pornography. I'm thinking, why did you even open your mouth? Because the Bible says you lack understanding. As long as you're looking at filth, keep your mouth shut and don't let everybody know you don't lack understanding. Because you do. You don't have understanding. And yet, many times people who hide in sin in their life are the most critical people. And yet the Bible says, don't listen to them. And I sometimes tell our students, why are you listening to people never not walking with God, don't have God's hands on their life, don't have spiritual thinking? Why are you listening to them? They have no credibility. I mean, get your sense. Get, learn to be discerning. Some of you guys are going to the ministry. You've got to learn to discern. Well, you'll never learn to discern while you're compromising your conscience. While you're involved in mental adultery, you will not have understanding. That's what the Bible says. You lack understanding. How about number five? You will not hate sin. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way. Proverbs 18, 13, uh, 8, excuse me, 13. And, and, and basically it's like this. When you obviously, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So if you're not departing from evil, you don't fear God. If you don't fear God, you won't hate sin. Let's give it to you quickly. One of the great tragedies, particularly for young preacher boys is, I'm telling you, they don't have a fire about anything. You know what? why they soften up? Because they don't have anything. They don't have a fire burning in the belly. I don't know about you. I want to listen to a preacher that got some fire burning. What about, what about you? Sometimes they'll say, well, that young kid, you know, he's a little out there. He's a little over the top. Well, at least the fire is burning. I don't know about you. I'd rather have fire than no fire. You can always tone down fire, but you can't tone down no fire. A few years ago, I won't say which daughter. I had one of my daughters. I, they were just little things, you know, elementary school age. And I always told my daughters, if a guy gets fresh with you and he starts talking bad to you and dirty to you, whatever, I said, you have my permission to hit him. My middle daughter was out in the playground. Some, you know, of course, we, tra- we travel around and some kids started getting fresh, started saying, and she warned him. She said, if you keep that up, I'm going to hit you. She said, no, I'm going to hit you. She even told him. And she walks and got boom, slapped him across the face, and it knocked him down. Then she took her, her shoe, which I think happened to have a heel on it, and she went like this right in his stomach. And he went crying to his dad, you know. He's about an eight-year-old kid. He just went crying to his dad. And his dad found out what happened and said, served you right. Okay, I, <laughs> he found no sympathy on the deal. You say, well, preacher, did you get your daughter aside? Did you tell her, you know, you know, you're, well, you know what I thought to myself? You say, I think she mishandled it. Well, she may have, but I'd rather have her mishandle it than not handle it at all. What do you think? See, by the way, there's not a girl in this room. If you slap the guy for being fresh with you, it wouldn't bother me. I hope it wouldn't bother anybody else. You get a guy, guys, you get a girl slap you across the face, you better wake up. You've got a problem. See, See, the point is there's no hatred for sin today. And if that illustration bothered you, go back and see what's going on. That ought not bother you. I don't know about you. We need some girls that are walls. You know what I'm talking about? A Song of Solomon. They're not doors. Read Song of Solomon. You'll find out at the end what I'm talking about. A wall is a girl who communicates to the male population, buzz off, bud. I'm saving myself for one. I like walls. A door basically says I'm not really interested in saving everything for one. It's a door. Young ladies, you wall or a door. See, no hatred for sin. I'm all for appropriateness, don't get me wrong. But my point is, we have lost our hatred for sin, even in our own movement. And I can tell you why. Because when you are in moral impurity, there's sin, even if you're defeated in your brain, it's going to just dissipate your hatred for sin. 
And last of all, it hurts relationships. It hurts relationships. Talked about intimacy anorexia. What happens is when a man uh, has got moral impurity in his life, he puts his hands up like this. He doesn't want his wife to get too close. Why? She might find out. He doesn't even want his kids to get too close. And many of the, some of the research my wife and I did said this. When a man confesses pornography, particularly for his older children, he needs to confess it because many of those older children blame themselves for not being close to their dad when it has nothing to do with them. So when the father confesses, he's saying, you probably wondered why there's a distance between me and you. It's not your fault. It was mine. When a man is in moral impurity, he puts his hands up. He does not want anybody to find out. It hurts his marriage, and it hurts his parenting. The Bible says that if you're filled with the Spirit, you'll submit yourselves one to another. And then all the rest of that chapter talks about husbands loving wives, wives submitting to husbands, and children obeying parents. All of that doesn't work when you have a man who's not walking with the Spirit of God. He's not willing to submit to his God-given roles. And it causes problems in the whole mix. So relationships get hurt. And also for you young men, some of you young men out here looking at filth, you have a wall between you and your dad, don't you? And I'm telling you, some of your dad wonder, what in the world's going on? Why can't I get close to my son? That's why you know you need to go to your dad and confess it. Get a relationship going there. But hidden sin, it could be any hidden sin, always hurts relationships. Always does. Because we're more concerned about not being found out than we are establishing God-given relationships according to the will of God. Well, anyway, I think uh, I've looked at my clock here, and I think we're right here at the time. So co-infessions for more impurity, just some food for thought, and hopefully this will help you in counseling. If, if that's your role, maybe uh, hopefully there may, may be a help to someone in the room who may be struggling with some of these. So let me urge you, if there's an issue in your life, make it, get it to your pastor and say, I need help. There are things to help. There are people who are seeing sustained victory, I'm telling you, you don't have to live that way the rest of your life. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the The Generation Podcast. For more faith-inspiring resources and information about joining The Generation, please visit thegeneration.org. That's T-H-E-E generation.org.